Hey, hey, it's Andy Giannis, and you're listening or watching. So another episode of Pod Slam Ajama presented by Clutch City Control Room. On this episode, we will debate Dana Hogerson's comments that he feels that the University of Houston is on track to do what the Cincinnati Bearcats did. Um, and we debate the Big 12 report. The Big 12 is planning to stay at 18 conference games once the UH, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU move into the conference, which could be the best rivalry for Houston in those two seasons in the Big 12. We debate that coming right up on Pod Slamajama. Jones across midfield. Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. Here's Grimes at a pull-up three. Oh, Grimes, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Now that the intro has passed, Dayon Dunlap, as always, joining me as co-host. How are you doing, sir? Where can people find you? I'm doing well. As listed below, you can find me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap, also on Instagram as well. So after the uh, crazy buzz that was last week with Marcus Sasser making his announcement that he was going to return to the University of Houston for his fourth uh, season with the program, foregoing his um, taking his name out of the NBA draft that he had entered early and keeping his college eligibility this week a little bit more uh, on the downside, at least as that we are currently recording this on June 8th. That could very quickly turn, as we all know. But um, we're going to have a bit of a fun show, a couple of debates, like we mentioned, in the cold open. And we'll jump right into it, where uh, Houston football head coach Dana Horson um, this past Monday uh, spoke to Pro Football Focus, and he actually did this on a Twitter space, which uh, just uh, another sign of the times uh, with Dana Hogerson hopping on a Twitter space. And, you know, Pro Football Focus um, following that space had this big infographic, and, and they gave a quote from Dana Hogerson on uh, what he gave, uh, or a comment he gave during that Twitter space, and, and that's Dana Hogerson. And I quote, we're on track to do what Cincinnati did, end quote, and that was on him being asked about if Houston could be a college football playoff contenders this coming season, which just off the bat, that's a little bit of a, a big statement by Dana Hogerson. Um, obviously, of course, when you look at at least the consensus from uh, multiple preseason rankings, it seems it's expected, at least I, I'll say that Houston would start the season ranked, especially after what they were able to do. They ended uh, last season ranked not only in the college football um, rankings, but also in the AP poll. Um, and they're trying to build on that season, uh, be it they finished 12-2 and two overall. Obviously, they ended their season with a win in the Birmingham Bowl against Alabama. And real quickly, when we run down the 2022 season, uh, this upcoming season, especially I, we'll focus on non-conference only, but they open the season against UT, UTSA September 3. Then uh, they have a big game at Lubbock against Texas Tech. 
and then they have they finish a non-conference portion with two home games against Kansas, against Rice, and then when you look at their conference schedule, they play Memphis, they play Navy, they play SMU, they do not play Cincinnati, they do not play UCF. So uh, when you look at the schedule, not necessarily, um, you know, you wouldn't say in terms, at least early on right now, looking from the preseason, uh, not the toughest schedule to say the least. But, Dan, I'll toss it over to you. Um, what are your thoughts on Dana Hoverson's comments? Do you agree that Houston is poised and on track to do what the Bearcats did a season ago? And that's, you know, sneak into the college football rankings, into the college football playoffs. Um, I'm going to disagree with that, that quote. I didn't hear. I know you just mentioned what it was in context, but I'm sure it was – isn't the full context of the conversation, but mm-hmm. specifically speaking on um, what you just asked me, make it into the college playoff. I don't think simply only because of their strength of schedule. If you look yeah. at last year, Cincinnati went to um, Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame and, and, and had some, some tough wins. And so just strictly on making into the playoff because of the strength of schedule. Now, do I think they can go undefeated? And do what Cincinnati did and win the American Athletic uh, American Athletic Conference Championship game. Yes, I do. And so, in that sense of it, I believe that he's one hundred percent right. I think Houston is on track to do what Cincinnati did last year. But in the sense of making it to the college football, and strictly on how voting has gone in recent years, and strict the schedule being taken into account, I don't know if Houston will. Um, get that nod unless they really just dominate every single game because you got to get style points. So if they can do that, then, I mean, I, I, I can see it. But just um, speaking from right now, I don't – I don't, I can't say that um, I can see them getting it, getting into it only because of their strength of schedule. What about you? No, I absolutely agree. When we're looking at this upcoming season specifically, uh, yeah, I'm going to put it uh, kind of bluntly. I think even if they ran the table and they went undefeated, I think you have to have a little bit of a similar outcome of this season where I mean, you got to look at it. Cincinnati had a lot of breaks go their way. Uh, Alabama was able to defeat Georgia in the SEC championship game. That kind of eliminated a couple of their competition. And you look at the Big 12 with uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State, that while finished to, to their Big 12 championship, that kind of, uh, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of, um, you know, breaks, lucky breaks in terms of what Cincinnati had to, to get to be able to get into the college football playoff, but it certainly is a much tougher path. And Cincinnati, like you mentioned, had a much tougher strength of schedule to be able to get into the college football playoff. Uh, they beat Notre Dame early on in the season. And to be quite frank, maybe if they don't beat Notre Dame or if they don't play Notre Dame at all, uh, maybe it's it's the Irish that get the nod over to Cincinnati um, at the end of the season, the college football playoff. And I and look at the schedule like he just listed off, that non-conference schedule, uh, that's not going to be enough to get it done, um, especially at early glance. I'd imagine that's the toughest opponent, at least on paper as of now. Uh, you can make the argument for UTSA, but I'd, I'd say that it's going to be Texas Tech in Lubbock. Once again, just going back to the American Conference. Yeah, I would say SMU. I'm talking about non-conference only. I agree with you when you when you come uh, when you factor in the the American Athletic Conference uh, schedule, uh, they have to play at SMU. So I agree that's probably going to be the toughest challenge uh, when it comes to American Athletic Conference play. Um, but even then, I I still don't see it now. Uh, kind of segue a little bit into um, not necessarily the original question that we have, but uh, would you say well, I'm just? I want to add something real oh, quick. Go ahead. Before we change the topic. 
although how Houston had a good year last year, which I think that helped Cincinnati in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And them beating Houston in the championship, which helped their case. So if another team yeah. like a SMU, for example, could have a good year or another team like Memphis or just whatever team in, in conference could have a good year and Houston beat them, it could help their case in a strictly in-conference schedule. So I know the non-conference schedule is weak, but American team could have a, um, a good year in conference and it could help them. Just like I think Houston, Houston helped Cincinnati's case um, last year. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's a great point. And when you look at it, you listed off Memphis, SMU, um, would you would you say, especially, uh, I mean, just jumping off, going back off paper again, this is, this is June. I think those are the two toughest. Um, I guess those are the teams that have the best chance at doing that, making a run in the season and, and uh, giving Houston a, a high-quality win, especially when you look at when they play them. They play SMU the first week of November. They play Memphis uh, relatively early, early October, so about um, you know, after a month into the season. I think that SMU game is key. Like you said, if they're able to build some momentum, uh, maybe it can be similar to how it was this past season because even uh, going back to Houston season, SMU uh, was able to give Houston a good boost in terms of win whenever they both uh, met. Um, at the time, they were both undefeated in conference. SMU was ranked, um, I believe they were 17th. Yeah, yeah, they were they were in the top 20 of the AP poll, and that certainly did uh, wonders for Houston's uh, rankings and positioning because before they beat SMU, to be quite frank, they weren't getting any respect um, when it comes to the national polls. Now, what I was going to diverge, this, this uh, is still on the same topic, but a little bit different from the original question. Um, do you think the Houston Cougars are on track to follow Cincinnati's footsteps and being able to build uh, the program long term in terms of being a consistent um, in the mix? Because when you look at what Cincinnati did and, and obviously the it, the payoff was this past season when they made the college football playoff. But going back just to, to the 2019 season, that's really when the Bearcats first started uh, to put together. Uh, I get that's really when the resume started. They finished. That's when they first cracked into the top 25. They went on a, a good run. They followed up in 2020, uh, where they went undefeated once again until they ended up losing uh, in their bowl game against Georgia, and and they were able to cap it off this past season once again. <laughs> they had to go undefeated, which is absurd. They had to essentially be perfect for about two and a half seasons um, just to be able to, well, give them credit. They were able to break through that wall, that barrier that a lot of the, the non-Power 5 schools um, just were not able to do before them. But do you think that Houston has that foundation? Do you think they have that groundwork? Or can you see it where uh, Cincinnati's laid the blueprint is Houston in that right direction? Without a doubt. I mean, you just talked about Cincinnati's um, kind of their resume over the last two years. And that's right in line with Houston did this past football season and along with they have a chance to do this season. So the similarities are there. Then you you look into what Coach Hobart and his staff has been able to do in recruiting and going and le- um, anticipating going into the Big 12. And so, I mean, the hype is there. The recruits is there. I mean, the foundation is there. I mean, you get a young quarterback in who looks like to be the quarterback of the future. And so, I mean, the pieces are there. I mean, the coaching staff is there to stay. You got um, 
one of the best young coaches um, on staff, associate head coach Doug Belkin. So, I mean, I, I, will, I for sure think that they can do that, for sure. I think that they're on track to do so. A lot is going to rain on Clayton Toon and his maturation, his continuing to, to develop because you look at their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, what he did in that 2019 season and then leading to last season what led him to getting drafted. I think Clayton Toon can do the same thing, but it's yet to be proven. And he's been up and down, more up over the last year then down and so I think he still has um, another ways to go another level to reach but he has the pieces around him to definitely do so yeah and and just looking at Clayton Toon specifically I think he's going to play a key role I mean just under Dana Holgerson uh, this will be his fourth season under Holgerson and and that program like you said he should be hitting uh on all cylinders coming this season and it certainly seemed like he turned the corner uh last season now uh, one thing I did want to bring up and and this is going to be uh, a bit of an interesting uh, topic because when you look at recruiting uh, straight out of high school, um, just in terms of the class rankings now, I know that's not necessarily the end-all, be-all, um, but when you look at um, just recruits coming straight out of college, uh, Houston entering the 2022 season, they're ranked 51st overall in the country. Uh, they only have one four-star recruit coming out of uh, college, um, which credit to, to Houston staff, um I'm sorry, I'll, I'll let you go in a second, but credit from Houston staff. Um, that's a big increase from where they were a season ago entering 2021. Uh, they were ranked only 79th in the country in terms of recruiting. Now, I will give this, and this is something that we've seen um, in, in Hogerson's time with Houston. At Hogerson and his staff do a real good job of recruiting transfers from other schools. Um, and that's really kind of uh, the bread and butter for this coaching staff, at least in terms of what, what they've done so far since Hogerson has joined here. When you look at some of the uh, four-star recruits that they've landed just from transfers. I mean, just look at, at who they're getting entering this season. They have uh, Cody Jackson, the wide receiver, interior lineman, Tyler Johnson is coming from Texas. Obviously, the big uh, name was uh, Brandon Campbell whenever um, he transferred over from USC, the running back. Um, anyone when you look at, at Lucas Cooley, who was the former Razorback that they were able to, to garner. I mean, we debated about it uh, a few episodes ago if, if he could be the one that they're going to kind of hand the reins to once Clayton Toon um, you know, finishes his playing career with Houston. Uh, Dan, go ahead. You're going to say something. Oh, no, no. I, I was just kind of kind of correcting you just a little bit. You said recruits out of college, meaning recruits out of oh, high Oh, recruits out of high school. Yeah, correct. Correct. But uh, what do you think about that in terms of um, what they've been able to do um, from the recruiting side of things? Um, I think it's only going to get better. I, I think that recruiting out of high school was hurting them being in the American Athletic Conference. So now – going into the Big 12, I think now more, of course, we know the talent in the state of Texas. Now they will take a real, um, realistic look at Houston and with success, they've had recent success. So if they can continue on that and have even more success leading and going into the Big 12, I think recruiting out of high school would only get even better. And so, I mean, they're doing a good job recruiting uh, in the portal. And so, but I, I strictly um, think that's not simply, but a lot has to do with being in a quote-unquote Power Six conference or the American Conference specifically. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think recruiting will get better as far as getting recruits straight out of high school and not so much relying 
on the transfer portal and getting kids out of the transfer portal because I mean it's a lot of talent in, in the city of Houston. And so that was one of the one of the um, reports that came out that kept Houston out of the Big 12 um, years ago, which teams like oh, Oklahoma State voted no because I mean they they knew Houston would get a lot of those recruits that they got out of Texas. And so uh, I think the recruiting is only going to get better. This was is just kind of kind of um uh, appetize what Houston's going to do on the recruiting trail or, or what's to come. Yeah, that's certainly a great point. And even when you look at uh, some of the schools that they there, um, when you look at the Big 12, who they would have had to recruit against, uh, there's a lot of Texas schools in the conference. When you look at TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, um, you know, at least it looks like for at least the first couple of seasons, Texas, Texas is going to be included uh, in that list. So, um, especially Houston, when you look at, at the market, uh, obviously it's one of the biggest cities in the country. Um, I think, yeah, that's a great point where you make up, uh, that you bring up where um, Houston's going to be, you know, in the mix and they're going to be creating a lot of noise, uh, certainly in the recruiting factor now that they are going to have, you know, that, that Power 5 affiliation. Um, and that's certainly a great point. Now, uh, we'll leave it on that note. We'll transition. It's kind of a perfect segue because we talk about uh, what's to come in terms of recruits uh, once Houston officially joins the Big 12. Well, there's a report out there uh, that was posted out by FanDuel. John Rothstein is actually the one that, that wrote it. Um, John, John Rothstein, who does a lot of work for CBS Sports. This one was for FanDuel, and he talked about how uh, once the Big 12 officially welcomes uh, is a 14-team league and they welcome UH, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU to the conference. They are still planning to run an 18-conference game schedule when it comes to men's basketball. So we debate. They mentioned a couple of the priority rivalries that they have in place, and that involves Houston and UCF. We'll discuss that more coming right up on Pod Slam and John covering your UH Athletics. Continuing on here on Pod Slap Majama, like Andy just mentioned, report uh, coming out on Fan Duel by John Rothstein that um, the Big 12 Conference is looking to keep some rivalries together. And the one that we're going to touch on specifically is that Houston and UCL rivalry. To me, I'm not is so. Is it a rivalry? <laughs> rivalry? Okay, well, I, I, I'll let you give your take first. What, what are your thoughts on that rivalry? Will that be the biggest rivalry for, for Houston, or what, what are your thoughts on that? No, um, I said it in kind of in jest because I, I saw you, you were kind of uh, questioning it a little bit. Um, yeah, you don't usually think of when you think of, of the American Athletic Conference rivalry, certainly in, in men's basketball. I don't think UCF is up there. Maybe if you look at in the past, obviously, of course, when uh, UCF was um, certainly uh, much more higher in the national rankings, obviously, uh, going back to the days when, when they were competitive and, and even looking back at, at what they were able to do, going back to the 2017-18 um, season when they put an end to, to Houston's winning streak. Um, they have had moments, but I think especially more recently when you think of men's basketball and rivalries, obviously number one has got to be Memphis. That's the rivalry in the American Athletic Conference. Um, really, before that, it was Cincinnati. Just yeah, I was going to – years, it was Memphis. I was just going to name them as well because, obviously, of course, it always seems like uh, Cincinnati found themselves somewhere in the American Athletic Championship game, yeah. um, especially early on. Uh, Cincinnati's um, kind of had the upper hand against Houston. I think it had barely been 
I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how many seasons ago it was, but it had been a while where Houston just had not been able to win at Fifth Third Arena in Cincinnati, um, and it was certainly a, a tough place to to you know a tough atmosphere to play in. Now, obviously, of course, Memphis is not going to follow Houston uh, to the Big Twelve, so you can kick that rivalry out the window. But obviously, Cincinnati will. Obviously, of course, we just listed off the UCF will. Um, BYU is not a part of the American Athletic Conference, but they also uh, will be joining. But I think that's interesting when when you think of the potential rivalries. And I think it's interesting that they're prioritizing Houston UCF um, just because of, you know, certainly in the last couple of uh, seasons, it's kind of fizzled out. I think in a perfect world, um, if you want to stick with rivalry matchups in Cincinnati, in, in, coming from the American Athletic Conference that, that have already been established. I think Houston Cincinnati is probably the top choice. Um, but what say you, Dan? Yeah, I would go with Houston versus Cincinnati if you're talking, like, within the conference. I mean, definitely I don't view UCF as a rivalry or even, like, I mean, I, I don't see it. And I've been to every game against UCF, and it isn't like a rivalry. I mean, I, I agree. When they had Taco Fall and that team that they had, they were really good. And and, and um, Houston fans came out a lot. But, I mean, I, I can't really really see that. I, what team in Texas do you think to kind of shift a little bit will be the biggest rivalry once they get inside the Big 12? Well, it's got to be Baylor. It's got to be Baylor, especially after um, the recent history right? they have. Yes, correct, for, for men's basketball. Um Oh, for football. Hmm. Would you think about Houston? I would say tech for football because there's recent history. Recent last few years. I mean, there's recent history. I mean, yeah. you, you can say it's a, well, no, I'm tripping. SMU is not going to be there. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking tech because of the recent history. Maybe Baylor still, I think, it'd be in that conversation as well. But mm-hmm. I would edge in football to tech. Basketball, I agree with you 100%. I think, I think it's going to be Baylor. Baylor and tech. I think Baylor and tech is going to be naked in football and basketball, really. Yeah. But I would give the edge to Baylor just because of their recent success and Houston's recent success. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think you can make the argue, argument for Baylor, uh, especially when you think of uh, the football aspect of it. I mean, you're not too far removed from 2020 when Houston and Baylor were supposed to play in non-conference and, and uh, the infamous truck photo where Houston's um, equipment truck had already arrived in Waco. They took pictures of it. And then, you know, literally less than 24 hours before the game was scheduled to kick off, um, it was off and, and, and the official, actually, I still have, um, I still have the credential that that Baylor had given out um, for that game. I was going to go up to Waco, and uh, they ended up canceling that game. So that's certainly fresh in the mind of of Houston fans, and, and even Dana Hogerson, He kind of um, went along with it. He said he was ready to play uh, Baylor, and obviously, of course, uh, kind of funny uh, story that literally a couple of months, a few months later. Houston and Baylor ended up meeting. Obviously, of course, it was in the Final Four um, on a different sport in the men's basketball. But I still remember Dana Holgerson. Even even after that, he tweeted once once it was official it was going to be Houston and Baylor that um, no they 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 wanted to play each other somewhere and it just happened to be men's basketball. So even then, just a little bit right there, especially um, when you look at what Baylor the turnaround that they've able been able to do uh, on the football field the last couple of seasons. I mean, they were 
in the gutter of the Big 12 just a few seasons ago and to do the complete turnaround, obviously cap off the successful season, the, the phenomenal season that, that it wrapped up with the Big 12 game uh, a season ago, the Big 12 championship game in 2021. Um, I could see that argument, and but I, I would agree. I think Texas Tech, when you look at football, is probably just in terms of familiarity that they have with each other. Um, and for the most part, those games uh, – Texas Tech has a winning streak over Houston the last couple of times they've played. Um, and each game, it's felt like Houston has let that game slip away because I remember um, when Houston – the last time they played up in, in, in Lubbock. And, with Tech, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, against Tech. Yep. Yeah, it was a high-scoring game. I think Houston jumped out in front, um, and and at that time, Texas Tech and their air raid offense was was on another level. And at the end of the day, um, Tech ended up outlasting Houston when it came to I think the final score was like sixty-three to forty-nine. I still remember that game. Um, and then obviously, more recently, I'm um, just going back to last season when they played at NRG Stadium. Um, and again, Houston jumps out to an early lead. It seems like the defense yeah. is is you know in control of the game. Um, the offense isn't turning the ball over and then complete turnaround after the first quarter and Houston gets shut out the rest of the way and, and Texas Tech ends up winning by by double figure by two touchdowns. Um, so I think I agree with you in that aspect where the history's there. And, and quite frankly, it feels like Houston has kind of let those games slip away. They definitely have, man. I, I, I wanted to see, like I've talked about Tech and I don't they're not the standard. Um, I don't think they should be the standard. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> especially moving into the Big 12 or even starting next year that um, Houston should start beating them routinely, especially like we talked about earlier in this episode, if they want to take that next step like Cincinnati did. Teams like Texas Tech, you want to dominate them because they're not routine. All they got a good new coaching staff and they're trying to rebuild, but teams like that, you want to routinely dominate. But, um, I mean – I mean, I, I agree 100% for sure. Um, obviously, we mentioned Tech and, and Baylor for both basketball, for men's basketball and football. Is there a, a kind of like a wild card team or a dark horse team that you would consider up there? TCU. 100% TCU football and basketball. There's familiarity with the coaching staff in football and basketball. You look at Jamie Dixon, what he's doing over there, the run that they had last season. I think TCU was on the rise as well with football and basketball. So I think TCU would be my dark horse. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I think uh, one of the dark horses, dark horses um, just because of what the – and going back to, to – football specifically, but even in the men's basketball aspect, because they have a little bit of history as well. And that's Oklahoma State, um, especially what, um, you know, the Cowboys have been able to do, uh, especially look at football, what they were able to do last season, um, getting to the Big 12 championship game. But when you think about the men's basketball perspective, um, uh, Houston beat them last season. Uh, I believe that was the game that they played in Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena. Um the last time they played before that, when it comes to men's basketball, I believe that was in December of 2019. And I was at Fertitta Center. It's one of the few times that Houston has lost a game at Fertitta Center uh, since it opened. So there, there's a little bit of history there. I think that could certainly grow into a rivalry, um, certainly the, the more they see each other. But I think that could be a potential dark horse. But I, I agree with you, TCU. Um, just in I mean, Houston and, and TCU were close to playing in, in the NCAA tournament a season ago or this past season. So that would have been interesting had they met. 
Yep, and I also remember BYU was one of the teams that beat Houston in the Fertitta Center um, a couple yeah. years ago as well. So that's something to keep an eye on on BYU. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'll never, I'll never forget that game either because uh, that was that same season, the 2019-20 season. Um, I can't remember what player it was for BYU, but I remember the play vividly. I think he he scored it on over uh, Quentin Grimes. Um, he was fading away, shot it at the buzzer, and it left the the fans at the Fertitta Center um, stunned when that shot went in. So uh, they're certainly a good category. If you look at the the football side of things, I mean BYU is similar to Texas Tech. They've had Houston's number the last yeah. couple of seasons, especially. Um, uh, obviously, we just mentioned the men's basketball side, but when they played in 2020, same thing. It, it, it seems like Houston uh, once again they they jumped out early in front in that uh, game uh, against uh, Zach Wilson was the quarterback for BYU at the time, mm-hmm. um, and it looked like the defense was was rolling. They were doing a good job of containing them, and you know third quarter. Uh, the flip switches and, and Houston is just not unable is unable to, to hang with BYU. So uh, the Cougars versus Cougars, Cougs versus Cougs, that certainly is up there. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited for what's to come when Houston goes into the Big 12. And it's going to be a lot of good matchups. And uh, I know we talked about in a previous episode how Houston fans, football and basketball, I will say they support better in basketball because it's more winning, but often they come to see the other team. And so, I mean, I, I can't wait. It's going to be very exciting. For sure. And, you know, you look at, like you said, um, I think this is going to be a pivotal year. Kind of go back what we talked about in the first segment where I know, of course, we we mentioned that if they can run the table, that that's – First of all, you agree, right? Any chance that Houston has, we agree that it's very minuscule that they can make the college football playoff, but any chance that they have, they have to go undefeated um, to be able to to, to be in the conversation. Um, But that also is a difference because if they say they are able to go undefeated, um, they win the American Athletic Conference uh, championship in football, then they're going into the Big 12 um, riding high, and they, they... kind of go into it saying, hey, we were one of the best teams in the American. We were the best team in the American Athletic Conference. And we're here to show that, um, you know, we're at the level with some of these other Power 5 schools. And like we mentioned, um, there's a lot of schools within the state that are in the Big 12 that are going to be looking to flex their muscles uh, once Houston joins the Big 12. They are. And I think Houston is right on track. I think the pieces that they've acquired – via the quarter, specifically talking about football, basketball, Houston is going to be the standard. I think when they get inside the Big 12, Houston and Baylor is going to be the top two teams, and they're going to be the standard. Football, like we're talking right now, I mean, they, they got to come out and take care of business. I don't think it's just enough to go undefeated. You got to get those style points, too. I mean, we, we've shown the way the voters vote. Style points and the way that you win really matters. And so when you play in the likes of Texas Tech, you got to really – in tech, you got to really dominate. You got to really put on a really strong performance. The likes of the Kansas of the world, you got to really put on a strong performance and get those style points against those teams. We saw what they did against Rice, so I expect nothing less of that again next season. But those teams like Tech and and Kansas, you got to dominate those teams if you really, really want to have a chance to get it into the college football playoff, along with winning and take care of business every single other game. No, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, especially when it comes. I have that Kansas game circled, not because I expect it to be a close game. I think that has to be a statement game 
uh, for the football team this coming yeah. season that, hey, we're not coming into the Big 12, you know, just to be. I think it was Ron Huey that said it when we had him. Uh, it might have been uh, one of the prior times he we have, not to, not necessarily the previous one, but he mentioned um, how, you know, the goal isn't just to join the Big 12 and, and just be half the, the conference logo affiliated. They're going to, to compete. And I think it starts this season because, uh, obviously, of course, we're playing Texas Tech. Those two games are statement games. The Kansas one is certainly a statement game because it can't be. Um, they've shown improvements. They give credit. They were able to knock off Texas a season ago. But if you want to be taken um, seriously as one of the premier schools in the Big 12 and not just, you know, one of the you know, run-of-the-mill teams, you got to make a statement with, with both of those programs and, and Kansas especially because that game is going to be at home at TDCU Stadium. Fast enough to show off for that game, too. We can't have, you know, the, the usual standard 25,000 uh, people show up. Um, that's not going to be a good look either because that's that's kind of a taste of what's to come. You know what we didn't mention as far as rivalry in basketball? We didn't mention Kansas. We oh, mentioned Baylor. Yeah. We mentioned the other teams. But Kansas and Houston, I, my apologies, the reigning um, – did they win the championship? Yeah, they they won the natty. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They won the natty. And so, uh, (laughs) hey, you got to give them credit (laughs) where credit is due. Baylor, Kansas, and Houston will be the standard. And I think that's going to be a rivalry. Um, Maybe even outdoing Baylor in basketball. And so, I mean, I don't know what slipped my mind about Kansas, but talking about football, you know, when you speak Kansas, you think basketball, not football. But I agree with your point for sure. That definitely has to be a statement when you got to come out and you got to dominate. No, for sure. And and kind of piggybacking what you said on the the men's basketball side, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hey, we just happened to casually forget about the the national champions uh, of 2022. But, man, that just goes to show this is going to be – I'm excited, but this is going to be the best uh, conference when it comes to men's basketball. Um, Because, obviously, we know – um, we're real close in terms of, you know, just how we follow the, the Houston men's basketball program with Kelvin Sampson has established. You look at Baylor and what they've been able to do. And then, of course, you go to Kansas. They're a premier you know, powerhouse year in and year out. Um, you mentioned TCU, what they were able to do in the run. Texas Tech, the run they were able to do after they lost Chris Beard. They didn't yep. end up yeah, missing a hit. step. Um, like I said, we didn't mention women's rivalry. Um, they lost their coach, Coach. Coach Abe went over to Baylor, lost primarily almost their entire roster. So I don't know if that's going to be a bit of a rivalry. But I think women's basketball, I would say it's somewhat of a rivalry 100%. I know they lost their coach, and I don't know if they'll have the success that they have with recent now losing their coach. But um, what about women's? Do you do you you see a rivalry? I, I would say if you're in conference coming into the Big 12, I mean, into the Big 12 with teams that were in the American, I would say UCF. So I, I like that. But as far as teams in the Big 12 for Houston, that's a tough one for me. Yeah, I think um, I think first Houston has to prove that they they can compete with some of those teams. Um, especially when you look at they played Baylor um, this past season in, in the multi-team event tournament that they were a part of. Uh, I believe it was in Cancun, uh, correct, uh, that they, they played um, mm-hmm. Baylor in. Um, it showed, uh, I mean, they were competitive against them uh, in the first half, and uh, Baylor was able to create separation. But um, 
it's a big season for Ron Huey and his staff as well, because you mentioned UCF. Uh, that's the team that they have not been able to get over the hump uh, whatsoever the last couple of seasons. They were really close this past season. Um, there was a couple of times, I'm just the first time they played, where it seemed like Houston was right there on the cusp of knocking them off. And, and we mentioned it when it happened. It seemed like they were, um, you know, right there on the verge, and that might have catapulted them to a run in the American Athletic Conference tournament. They showed that they were able to stay competitive with USF, uh, with South Florida during not only in the regular season, but in the, in the conference tournament um, that they showed, um, you know, they're, they're not that far apart, but I think once they join the big 12, they have to continue to build. And, and right now I still think they have to, to show it with say you. Yeah. I think they definitely have to show it. I think this year they, in my opinion, I expect, and I think they have to win the American Conference. I think South Florida will still be good. They're losing a few key pieces, but they have um, Coach Coach Hernandez is doing over there. He's doing an outstanding job, so he always retools. It's never a rebuilding from year to year, no matter who they lose. I don't expect UCF to be that good, but other teams, I think Cincinnati would be a little better. Um, just other teams. I, I think Houston, with the talent they have last year, was definitely, definitely, in my opinion, a letdown season with the talent they have, especially coming off the season on the year before. I, I definitely think they had an NCAA roster team last year. I think what they have coming back this year, um, like Coach um, Ron Huey said, they're, they're bringing back 80% of their scoring and rebounding and assists. And so with that being said, I mean, you got the chemistry, you got the talent, you got everything you need. I think this year – I expect, and I think they should win the American. And then going into the Big 12, I mean, the likes of Baylor is at the top. Iowa State is a really good program as well. Texas is going to be there a couple of years, and they're really good. They had Rory Harmon, who was a freshman out of Houston area. And so, like you said, you got to show that you compete. But they can start by next season. Like we talked about Cincinnati and Houston starting on the year before. I think they can start on this upcoming season have a really good, strong year leading into the Big 12. And like we talk about with football and basketball, it can help their recruiting specifically in the state of Texas as well. And we're going to leave it right there. So uh, thank you for those of you that tuned in. And then, you know, we were uh, we're truly grateful with something we have noticed um, that a lot of our viewers are not subscribed to the channel. So please be sure to subscribe and give a like. It helps us out. Uh, and it only takes a couple of seconds. So please be sure to give us, um, hit that like button and the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you may be listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can uh, know after we post an episode. Um, and be sure to follow us on Twitter as you see it on the screen for those listening on audio-only platforms. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, Dan, I'll let you say the last word, sir. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D-A-Y-O-N, D-U-N-L-A-P. And like Andy said, it only takes a couple seconds to hit that subscribe button, that like button. We need it. We we appreciate you guys from listening, watching, and we want to continue. And like and comment. If you have any comments, we, we read the comments or comment on your thoughts, on the questions that you see on the bottom of the screen. Be active. We like to be proactive. Um, we, we love the commentary. When the season starts back, we're probably going to join back on the Twitter spaces. And so we appreciate you, fans. But like Andy said, like and subscribe, man, definitely.